Welcome to the Rise Science Podcast, the show where we talk about the human side of work. I'm Jeff Kahn, co-founder and CEO at Rise Science. If you've listened to the podcast before or you know anything about Rise, you know that we're on a mission to help people improve their lives through healthy sleep. For more information about how Rise can help you or your company or just to download our app, visit our website at risescience.com. Our guest today is Lexi Bohanan. Lexi is Vice President of Sales Engineering at Yext, a New York City-based tech company specializing in online brand management for businesses. Lexi's been at Yext for the past six and a half years, where she's served in a variety of enterprise sales and sales engineering leadership roles. She and her team have been Rise customers since early 2020. And my relationship with Lexi all started from a cold email that I sent her. I asked her if she was at all interested in learning more about the relationship between sleep and sales. And to my surprise, she came back and said that sleep was one of her top three priorities to solve for her team in 2020. I can probably count on my hand how many sales leaders had in 2019 sleep as a priority for 2020. So I'm really excited to talk to Lexi about her philosophy on sales leadership and how it got to be that sleep was at the top of her list. Lexi, welcome to the show. I went to Colby College and liberal arts, um, small liberal arts college in Maine, and I studied philosophy and sociology. So pretty untraditional path for um, where I where I've ended up. But I, I actually kind of I think that that was what's what's catapulted me in my career. I think that being able to um, defend an argument, articulate, um, you know, a point of view and and really you know, value the analytical thinking of a liberal arts education has put me in a really great position to learn fast and then understand people. I think that that's probably the biggest thing that I would attribute to my success is in consulting, there's a bunch of different stakeholders. There's internal stakeholders, there's the client, there's the client's clients. Um, And so being smart about and, and being able to understand and empathize with each one of those different stakeholders, I think in consulting set me up for success, um, put me in a position to be able to, to convince those that I could learn quickly. Um, and then same thing at Yex. I think that um, we are a very fast moving startup. And I always say with growth comes change, but with change comes opportunity. And so being able to kind of see and read how things are coming together and, and understand the human element of all of that, I think has really put me in a position to succeed. Hmm. So what I'm hearing from you is this thread that you actually started with an interest in philosophy and sociology. Did you think at that time when you're in like, you know, some analytical philosophy class that you would end up in sales leadership at like a, one of the fastest growing startups? I mean, was that something you were thinking about? What, what was going through your mind at that time? Truthfully, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Um, I thought that, you know, many people in my family are attorneys and I thought that was the path for me. Um, and thankfully I, I have a dad who was like, are you, are you sure? Are you just doing this to kind of do it? Because it's the path that you think will be successful based on all of us. And so that really kind of got me thinking, well, maybe I'll try this other thing first. And then I took the LSAT three times. Um, it was brutal. And, uh, and thankfully I'm, I'm not in that spot. No offense to, to lawyers, but. <laughs> so your dad actually, who was a lawyer challenged you to say, is this really what you want to do? Do you really want to go yeah. be a lawyer? And then you're like, all right, I'll give this consulting thing a try. And then what was the path from that to when did you realize, huh, I want to do, I want to try this sales thing out. Like there's something interesting at Yext and what, what led you to think about that path? 
So I, I knew I wanted, I, after about three and a half or around the three-year mark at IBM, um, I felt kind of trapped. I felt like the, the starting in a big company where there's a lot of structure, there's a lot of learning, and I was in a position to have no technology background and be on a project where I'm you know, talking about you know, massive Linux integrations <laughs> and things that are so outside of my realm um, right. was awesome, right? Uh, however, I knew that the bounds of that, I also think of my career, and I use this on my team a lot, as ladders and leapfrogs. There's places when the ladder is really helpful to help give you skill and get into a position where you can then understand how to leapfrog out of that ladder um, and grow and change. And so for me, I was ready to break free of the IBM ladder, but I wasn't really sure where I wanted to go. So I started looking at smaller boutique consulting firms. I, I started looking at some technology companies, um, but I wasn't necessarily sure I wanted to take that big leap of faith from big IBM to, you know, 100 person, 200 person startup. Um, I have a, a close friend from high school who has been at Yext um, a, a few years ahead of me and recruited me in. Um, and so the, the, one of the co-founders was trying to push me into sales, like direct sales to start. And I was like, wait, 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 no, 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 no I don't know. At that point in time, we didn't have sales engineering. Um, so I started in client services, but took a lot of my experience with system integration consulting into Yext and said, okay, here's my goal for the first kind of year and a half that I'm here is here's what I want to try to do. Um, and as I started doing that, I realized there was an opportunity to create sales engineering. So it was kind of a natural evolution. It wasn't um, it wasn't necessarily like, hey, I want to be in sales. It was more of like, what's a transferable role from what I had been doing to something more concrete? Hmm. So it wasn't, yeah, the, the sales engineering side wasn't maybe initially clear until you started getting into the account management side and then yeah. over time realized that there's this opportunity to go build it. And um, what was that like building the sales engineering team from you know, from the ground up at one of the fastest growing, you know, startups that, that that's been around. I mean, was that, yeah. were, were, was it like a new discipline? I'm sure they thought a lot about, well, should we bring in really, should we bring in someone super experienced? Um, should we trust Lexi to go build it? What's that going to be like? What was that story of how it went from kind of no sales engineering team to uh, you running it and building it? So it was kind of like an experiment. Um, it was the end of one summer about four years ago uh, that, you know, myself uh, and the co-founder had been talking about a lot of the sales work I had been doing. So I was continuing to manage my customers, um, but was jumping in on a lot of pre-sale uh, account, like big strategic account deals um, and supporting the sales team with some of these more technical conversations. So we were kind of doing it. Um, and I said, hey, look, like, I, I think we should try this. I think we should try to, to to separate, roll me off of my ownership of accounts and move fully into supporting these accounts. And let's see what happens. And so one thing led to another. Um, and I was sales engineer of, you know, to 40 or so AEs um, and, and traveling around like a mad person. And I think that <laughs> those days were sleepless and tiring as as they still are, but they were different. And I think that I was hustling at the opportunity to prove that this could be could be and should be something bigger. And so I think that that's something that I learned early on, too, is the opportunity to be out in front of customers um, and the opportunity to be, you know, 
a face or a presence in an account where, you know, I necessarily don't have, didn't have the experience that say, you know, that tenured salesperson or sales leader did, but they were trusting me to deliver this more technical positioning um, was an incredible opportunity for me. So the, where it went from there was, you know, about six or eight months of testing. And then we got to this point where it was like, okay, I was starting to say no to meetings because I couldn't go to them all. Um, and so at that point in time, we were also hiring on a bunch of the sales leadership we now have from Salesforce um, and other Adobe, you know, other big technology companies where sales engineering was a standard. And so um, that combined with the success that I was having in market, I think really helped to solidify the fact that we needed to grow this team and, and grow this crew out. Um, and so we we went from there. I think we've been at a point where we're, we've been scaling with this sales team, um, but it's not it's not a it's not it certainly hasn't been a guarantee. It's it's a proof that proof that you know we're able to be dynamic, nimble, and and not just um, sell the things that are on our website. I think that that's been something that I've prided myself on is. Um, you know, our, our, our product isn't super technical. And so unlike other sales engineering roles where we have a group of folks who are highly technical and a little less salesy, but still salesy, we lean more on the sales side and storytelling. And, and so I think it's really important that our team is able to see things that we haven't done before and test and, and bring those um, into market and then prove that we can sell them and then repeat it. Uh, and so that's been something that's been really important to me is that we continue to see success doing that. So, so in some way, what I'm hearing then is it's almost evolved because it's not some some incredibly technical, like you're saying, like Linux integration. It's a little more straightforward on the technical side. It really gives the folks on your team, a, you know, an opportunity to understand the customer needs, figure out what you might be able to do, and almost. And correct me if I'm off here, but sort of uh, play like an market development, sort of customer development type of role where you're almost getting ahead of what are really the customer needs and what should we be building? Almost like really early stage product development. Is that what's happening? Yeah. I think we've evolved over the last several years too, to be, you know, truly more of a platform where we're now at a place where we have launched um, what, what we call the Hitchhiker program, which is a full admin uh, training and certification process to allow developers and any, honestly, any level of technical expertise at a customer or a partner to be able to build on top of our platform. And so that opening up um, is pretty monumental for us in that now there's an infinite amount of things that can be done with our platform, which is super exciting. And so with that too, I think as we've evolved to be more of a product platform type of solution versus a, po- a point product, um, we're in a position to think a little bit more outside the box as well. And the easy, the easy stuff is like the stuff that's on the website or that case study that from, from the food customer that talks about how we did X, Y, Z. So how can we push the envelope to get people to leverage us in, in new and different ways? So yeah, <laughs> you're spot on. Yeah. That's super, super interesting. Um, so I want to transition us to uh, obviously kind of the core topic of the show and thesis of what we're trying to do here, which is I think the thread that even as I hear your story, it's like, you know, starts with philosophy and sociology and really understanding sort of the human side of how we function, how we communicate, how we tell stories. But then that's sort of carried through in your career. Uh, and even now you're saying like, we're not just on the sales engineering technical side, like this isn't cold, dry, like technical implementations, you're really coaching your team about how do you 
how do you help customers see new value and see new possibilities of something that didn't exist before? And so I see just a ton of creativity around around that side. And so I want to transition a little bit into as your role now running the running the team. Um, you know, obviously we got together uh, back in early 2020 to talk about sleep. And so, again, interestingly, as I opened up the show, uh, I cold emailed you and said, are you interested in talking about the relationship between sleep and sales? And you said, I'm very interested. It's on my top three to-do list to get done in 2020. So tell me about that transition. Like here you are running, you know, a sales engineering team at one of the fastest growing companies in the world. And there's so many other things you could be focused on infinitely long why is sleep in the top three? I mean, should should it be? And just what was the thinking behind that as you led to led to that priority? Yeah. So it's been a, a very strange time to come full circle to the, that conversation because <laughs> I think our dynamic as a team has changed so much. So prior to um, you know the the last six months or so, I'll say I had about two thirds of my team spend the majority of their time on the road. Um, the other third or so is more, you know, stationary, doing more demos on the phone, um, more CBU type of mid-market accounts. Um, but those that are on the road constantly, I think I found from both personal experience and and their own experience that when when we're not able to manage sleep, we are not able to perform. And I think that we're challenged with sleep because of the nature of being in different time zones, being on the plane, um, waking up for a 6 a.m. flight versus, you know, going to bed at eight versus um, being up for a 9 a.m. meeting, like in all different time zones. And I think that as we've grown, we've gotten more focused. So in the early days when there were just a handful of us, it was true ping pong in the country. As we've grown, we've been able to consolidate those territories. And so the team is hopefully sticking in most of the same time zone. But that being said, the nature of our job is to be in front of customers when we have that opportunity. And so being able to balance all the things that go along with doing a good job and performing. I was a college athlete, um, you know, being active is still a really top priority for me. And I started to notice that um, I took for granted for so long that sleep really impacted my performance. And I was one of those people who knew it, read it, heard about it, didn't refute it. Um, but I thought that I was kind of invincible, maybe, maybe we'd say that. <laughs> and I think that I started to realize that, you know, people called out to me that I was getting sick more often. I was like, Oh, I, I don't get sick that often, you know. Um, but then I started to kind of track those things. And I realized that I, I was truly taking it for granted. And I know that many people on my team were as well. And so at the end of the day, for me, it's it's about balance. And we can't, we won't have great employees, we won't have healthy employees if they don't have the time or the support around them to take care of themselves. Um, so that's kind of what got me started on it and why it was a top priority for me, because I think it's something we all sort of take for granted. And so putting it front and center, having the conversations um, that some might have, you know, historically have said, oh, that's for you to have that conversation at home, or that's your own personal preference. It's not for me to bring up at work. I think that I needed to to raise it as a priority in order for folks to feel supported, that they could make decisions about, hey, I'm not going to do this thing because I really need to get better sleep. So I think you know the the journey seems like went from you, had, especially as a college athlete, known that sleep was important as a concept, didn't really for a while, maybe fair to say, ignored it as a key lever in terms of how you were performing, um, and then 
realized that because of other people around you started saying, hey, I'm noticing you're sick more. Uh, you started noticing other things about your performance and realized, oh, maybe sleep is, uh, is, is a lever that you should focus on. Um, you know, when it comes to, I, I guess, a couple questions I'm super interested in. One is, and you alluded to this a little bit, one is, you know, why, the, it, why do you think that this is something that should be done, in a, one, in a sales leadership role? Why isn't this coming from HR? Why isn't it coming, like you said, why isn't it happening at home? Why isn't it just the employee's responsibility in their own time to figure out their own personal health and wellness? Um, you know, why is it something that a, a specifically a revenue leader should be thinking about? Um, and what made you say that's something that I want to take a stand on versus let it kind of fall to, to individuals? So I think a few things. I think that um, I found in this sneak peek to one of my major tips of how I balance staying productive. But I think that having accountability partners is something that I found um, is incredibly helpful to me. So in, in that sense, I think I see my team as like, it's a partnership. And, and so I think that in, in the case of the employees on our team to feel supported, and, and by all means to not not needed or not forced to opt in. So I think that by having these conversations um, that we started at the beginning of this year around mental health, wellness, and physical wellness, um, it was it's always optional. And so I think that that's important. Um, I will say Yex has been incredibly supportive from the HR perspective and executive leadership on mental health, wellness, um, and have put in place a bunch of programs around um, you know, different types of things that we have as benefits as employees. So whether those be, um, you know, kind of meditation apps, whether those be programs with you know, exercise classes and credits per month, um, we as employees have a lot of support there. But I think that it's up to the individual team leaders themselves to say, what type of, you know, focus do we want to have on this on our particular team? And so we started, um, we had offsites every several weeks as a team since we are all remote. So it was about every two months before COVID. Now we have a Zoom site every Friday afternoon. Um, like and a so for, for a few <laughs> a Zoom site for a few hours. And so we always start off those Zoom sites with a good, bad, and ugly kind of. I found it offsites over my career. In many cases, there's this underlying trend that everyone's talks about and it comes up in every one of your sessions. And if we just got it out in the open in the start, we would all be on the same playing field around like, what's on your mind? What are your challenges? What's going well? And so we start off every every Zoom site with good, bad, ugly um, from each employee. And then we bucket up trends to say, okay, based on what we're hearing across the board, what are our big objectives for what we want to do in addition to our tasks at hand to make a change? And so health and wellness started coming up as something like, I'm really tired. I'm exhausted. I'm sick. I don't have time for myself. I'm, I haven't been keeping up with my workout schedule. I'd say I have a pretty active um, athletic team. Um, and so, so I think that for, for me, it felt like personal responsibility that I had so many employees opting into this. And so to give them the option, um, to know that it's something that I care about, um, I care about for myself personally, but I care about for them if, if they choose to opt in. Um, I think that that additional layer of support going beyond just a benefit from HR helps reiterate that this truly is a priority for our team. It's super interesting to hear you say that because it seems like the missing link maybe, and there are so many of the HR teams, especially in, in technology companies, and we've worked with a number of them, are just like so forward thinking, care so deeply about the employees. Like, I mean, it's very impressive. 
And maybe the missing link is that sort of tie to what you do every day. And so really a partnership with the team lead um, and and really making really tying, hey, here's what we're doing back to the strategy, back to what you're hearing from your team members in those offsites seems like what the critical link is to, to, is to happen. You can't just offer a benefit or a tool or a you know, more stuff, more stuff isn't going to help, but actually making it, um, a priority seems like it's something that's, that's important to talk about, but also in a way that seems culturally relevant. And for obviously for you and for your team, that was something that they're talking about is they're, they're thinking about their own performance in a way beyond just numbers or, or anything like that, just beyond the work itself, uh, which is, I think so too. I, I completely agree. And I think that um, going back to holding each other accountable, you know, if I'm the only one, if I really care about, you know, prioritizing my sleep and understanding what impact sleep has on my personal performance and my role in my life um, in that run, I want to take tomorrow, but I'm so exhausted. I can't even think about getting up to go that if, if you don't feel supported with your team around you, then I, I feel like it's this subconscious pull into oh, well, they don't care about this. So if I, you know, put a block on my calendar to make sure I have time to go do this, I might get scrutinized and asked, like, what is that? Why are you doing that? And so being more overt about that support, I think, gives people the peace of mind that they can make their own choices. I think that's something that I really care about as well is I'm trusting, we are trusting employees to, you know, put forth the Yex solution, the value prop, you know, be the best version of themselves and represent Yex in front of, some of the largest companies around the world. And if we can't trust them to balance their time well and decide, you know, when they want to take the afternoon off to go do X, Y, Z thing, knowing that they'd rather come back and work at night or, you know, take a day off, take vacation. If we can't trust them to make decisions on that, how, how can you possibly trust them to present well in front of a customer? Right. So that's a big philosophy of the mind too. Huh. What's so interesting to me about that idea though, is that there's, uh, you're not just saying we trust you to make the right decisions and that you are abstaining from any responsibility. You're coming forward, facilitating conversations on your team saying, how are things going? Good, bad, and ugly. Learning from them what's happening. It's like, oh, I'm seeing a pattern. You're sick. You're feeling tired. You're feeling not as much like you had as much energy as you had before. You know, okay, let's focus on sleep. Now I'm going to put something in front of you. It's, It's up to you to use this and engage with it obviously. But, you know, I think that's pretty interesting is that you've taken that initial first step of initiative to make it okay. And um, it seems like that's a important ingredient in making something like this work and um, having your team, you know, care about sleep. Was there something, was there really anything, you know, from when we launched to now it's been a number of months that surprised you about your team's reaction to, you know, thinking about sleep uh, sort of at not necessarily on the job, but that it's something that you're prioritizing and promoting and and saying, hey, this is something we want everyone to come to work well rested. Like that's something we believe in. Yeah. Well, I think so at the very beginning, let's take COVID aside. I think that the, you know, starting off one-on-ones with, hey, how's your sleep dad? Or like, hey, how you doing? (laughs) Or like, hey, have you managed your energy schedule? Um, You know, it's cliche and what we expected, but it was real. Like it actually happened. And people my team in, by nature is pretty competitive and, and they were getting competitive with, with each other about like your sleep that is so high, like get it together, you know, which is, which is awesome like that. And, and look, it's only, it's only awesome if, if you choose to participate. And I think that what would the unhealthy side of that would be is if folks who didn't want to buy in felt like we were excluding them or looking at them differently because they didn't opt in. So that's a really important balance, I think, is that 
putting health, wellness, and and all of this front and center is to me important. But I I, I also want to make sure that if for whatever reason someone doesn't buy in, they don't feel like they're you know not going to be treated equally. So that that's important to me. But at the same time, I think we since we've started have seen a massive shift in our lifestyle, um, and so just generally with the stress and anxiety of all the things going on in the world right now, um, not to mention, you know, folks actually getting sick with COVID versus um, just the fact that no one's traveling. And so we are in the same time zone. People are waking up and going to bed at the same at the same time. Um, and so I think that what that's allowed us to do is accelerate the second chapter of this. So the first chapter in, in our eyes was how do we put sleep front and center and top of mind to start having conversations and at least just having awareness of wow, I have like 12 hours sleep debt versus how do I feel at that versus I have two hours, um, you know, sleep debt. And so that I think has shifted into now the great pleasure of being able to focus more on our energy in the day versus just the debt, right? So chapter two in the evolution is looking at um, how are we managing our day and our meetings and our calls based on peaks and dips, which has been really fun to start talking about with the team. Because truthfully, I think we could have gotten there, but it would have been more challenging for people because the schedules were so erratic. Yeah, and your your debt's just so high and your schedule's erratic. And I think what's nice about now and we've certainly seen this in our data across the board, is you'd think now that with COVID, everyone's getting much more sleep. There's actually a lot of conflicting evidence out there. And for us, what we're seeing is that, and we saw this when we did our work in the NFL. I remember we used to work with college athletes when we got started, uh, you know, back in 2015. And that was expected, you know, working with Northwestern or we're working with, uh, you know, high-end academic programs to start and it was like of course they're busy because they're full i mean you probably remember at colby like you're expected to be a full-time student and a full-time student athlete. <laughs> like it's a lot and so of course you don't have time and of course you're not getting enough sleep um and then i got a call from an nfl strength coach who i think will also be on on the show with us and uh he was over at the Bengals, and he said you know jeff can you come work with us uh, at the Bengals?" and i just said you know, Jeff, what are you, his name's Jeff. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like your player, they have nine to five jobs. Like they're, they're just going to, to work out practicing and then coming home. What do you mean? They're not like, I don't understand. And he's like, no, he's, he said, Jeff, you don't understand. Like you have basically all we are doing is managing sort of the decrease, uh, in energy over the entire course of a season. And even though it's a nine to five schedules, like they're just not getting enough sleep. We need help. Um, And so it was super interesting. We can talk way more about it, but just, I was kind of blown away by that, that even if you have kind of a great schedule, it's so easy to get caught up in Netflix and what you're doing at night and, you know, binge another show. And then, and then you don't, if you, if you're not measuring your sleep debt, it's really easy to just not be aware of the impact. But um, anyway, so that, that, that's fun. Okay. So the last question that I want to ask you today is all around, um, one thing, and you've actually mentioned a couple of them, but is there one thing that comes to mind? You know, we talk about productivity. We're talking about the human side of leading teams. Um, but is there one thing to make that very actionable for everyone that you found for your own um, personal productivity? And it could be the teams too, but just something that you're either really excited about, something that's stuck with you really long term, uh, that has had a you know wide ranging impact on 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 outcomes. 
Yeah. So I would, I would say that it's so simple, um, but it's having accountability, people that help me stay accountable. And so what I've noticed um, is the, the difference in my lifestyle from being on the road all the time and being home. Um, I think that I, especially when I'm on the road, you know, I'm mostly by myself. Yeah. I'm with other people on the team and, and, or having to go to client dinners. And so there's pulls and distractions that can take you certain ways, but Um, I find myself, you know, typically, honestly, I find myself staying up later to work, not even just watching TV, like making an excuse as to why I want to skip that workout, which by the way, in my earlier in my my career, I would either do the workout late or wake up early and sacrifice sleep, um, which I now find a different balance. Um, but that being said, I find it really a lot harder for me to stick to my guns and like shut down my computer and stop doing work when I'm by myself versus um, when I'm home and, and whether that's a friend, whether it's my partner, like whatever that might be. um, I think that having, having people around you that are um, supportive of your choices and actually encourage you like, Hey, you're going to go do that thing and not in an unhealthy way. um, But, but are, are helping you in a good way to keep balance is to me the key. So um, whether that be, I mean, with all the fitness apps now and all these different um, classes that are now digital, you can zoom in with a friend or do it with a friend. Um, I have a Peloton. I haven't done that yet, but I'm, I've been thinking about doing the, you know, video with a friend, which I think would be really fun. Um, I think another uh, another part of that is I have a whiteboard that at my house that each for each day of the week now I put my to do's from an athletic perspective of what I want to do um, and and looking at it every day holds me accountable. I'm definitely like a person that wants to accomplish something. So whether it be a person or 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 a calendar or something that can hold you accountable to me, that's the key because otherwise I can get so caught up in all the other things that are going on and always have an excuse for why I need to spend extra time doing this thing. Um, look, like my job is really important, but I no one hopefully is, you know, it can wait. Most things can wait till the next day. So keeping balance um, by having accountability partners or things, tools to me is the thing that helps me um, find the most balance. That's awesome. And if I wanted to like get started with that in one way, is there, you know, let's say uh, I'm I'm trying to think about how I might apply that in, in my own life. And, you know, even though I've been studying sleep for many years now, Um, I still like, you know, I'm, I'm in a great episode and it's like getting to 1030 and I know I have to be up to, to wake up Clara, my, my 15 month old. And, um, you know, I know what my sleep debt's going to be the next day and I know all this information, but what I've seen, at least from an accountability partner is my wife will pull me aside and she'll say, Jeff, you know, we got to get to bed. And it's so helpful to have that prompt to, to, to do that and just pull me out a little bit from the same behavior I was doing. And then I'm just so thankful that 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 uh, that, that happened. And so, um, yeah, I think it's something that we think about. It's actually something we've seen um, as a need for a lot of folks uh, that that are using Rise. And we're thinking about how do we build that. And obviously, it's one of the reasons we try and get family members and anyone you're living with onto it. Yeah. Because once you know your sleep debt and you're coming in and talking about it and you open up a one-on-one with it um, – it, it's just that subtle prompt that, oh, yeah, my sleep debt is something that that does really affect me and um, something I should should prioritize. So and I think I mean, I think that the the um, just one last thing, the melatonin window notification for me has been another like kind of piece of that puzzle for me or that toolkit, because it's like, 
oh, yep, yep, okay, now now I should be thinking about going to sleep. And so that show can wait. Like, the show's not going anywhere. I can watch it tomorrow. Like, I'm going to go to bed. Um, and so I think that that, like, little triggers really work for me. I think it's easy to ignore them sometimes. Um, but putting them front and center is, is super helpful. So, again, whether it's a person um, or if you don't have that person at home, you know, being able to – um, you know, enable different tools and tips or, or like give yourself a schedule to say, okay, I want to be in bed by 1030 tonight. And then how good does it feel the next morning to check that off and be like, yep, did it, you know, and move yeah. on to the next day. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and um, there's actually a great book I'm listening to now, but one of probably the behavioral scientists that has had the biggest influence on, on me and my thinking uh, not only personal habit development, but also in the work we've done at Rise and actually influenced the very first research paper we did uh, is a guy named BJ Fogg out of Stanford. And he just released a book called Tiny Habits. He is, if you want to just get a quick snippet, and Lexi, I think you'll find it super interesting. Um, he's on, I think it was on the um, the Knowledge Project podcast, and it's an hour-long conversation uh, hour and a half maybe and just super rich information about a lot of myths about behavior change and things just very very useful tools to help you think about um, how you might improve your own habits but also the habits of your team and anyway he's great and super clear thinker and and someone i i take a lot of inspiration from so um, amazing but anyway so yeah let me know how that is and uh i look forward to uh you know working continuing to work together and hopefully integrating energy schedules more deeply in, into what we're all doing. And uh, and then, you know, from there, who, who knows what the future holds. But thanks again for taking the time and chatting. And um, this has been a lot of fun for me. So hopefully it has been for you. Thanks so much, Jeff. To learn more about how we work with sales organizations to drive measurable improvements in revenue, productivity, and well-being, head over to our website at risescience.com. Now, if you're an individual interested in using sleep to get more out of your day, just have more energy, and all of the other good things that Ron and I talked about, you can download our app, Rise, on any app store, iOS, or Android. You can also email me at jeff at risescience.com to discuss anything you heard on the show today or to nominate a great guest. We'd love to hear from you. The Rise Science Podcast is produced by Candace Kahn and Lola Feiger. Music in today's episode is by Blue Dot Sessions, and thanks to the entire Rise Science team for their help with writing and research. I'm Jeff Kahn. I'll talk to you next time. Sleep well. <laughs>